Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. By the year 2020, Google says, which is uh, a little bit scary, that's next year, they say that 90% of all content consumption will be through video. That's a pretty significant percentage, and they have access to data that may actually show that they are right. Obviously, they own YouTube, and now LinkedIn is on the video train, Facebook, Facebook Watch, uh, Instagram Video, IGTV. I mean, video is here to stay, and whether you believe the 90% number or not is actually going to happen, we can all agree, likely, that a large amount of uh, the percentage is gonna be video consumption. So it's really important that we understand how to create videos, and not just videos that are often one-off answers to certain questions and things like that, but videos that can actually gain a following, build a community, help us in our business. And today I'm very, very thankful to invite our good friend Tim Schmoyer here on the podcast. He owns a YouTube channel called Video Creators, and he has helped some of the biggest brands and is now focusing on helping creators just like us with mastering and just getting better and fine-tuning our YouTube strategies, uh, which pertains to all kinds of videos, actually. So I'm really excited because even in this conversation, you're gonna hear Tim offer me some suggestions for my own YouTube channel, and you'll hear a little bit of the struggles that I'm having so that you can actually get ahead of me and do better and get a little bit more ground more quickly uh, than I did on YouTube. I've been on YouTube for nine years, and it's only now that I'm finally learning really how it works, and you can get that education today in this episode with our good friend, Tim Schmoyer. So sit back, relax, play the intro. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, a random goal he has is to create his own font one day, Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And you're listening to session 368. And if you haven't hit subscribe yet, please do that because we have a lot of great episodes just like this one. And again, you're gonna hear Tim Schmoyer who has been very instrumental in my YouTube journey over the last year. Him and Roberto Blake, Sonny Leonard Doozy, uh, Sean Cannell, uh, who else we got? We got uh, Amy Landino and, and uh, Daryl Eves and several people who have been on the podcast before, actually. Uh, Thomas Frank. Several people have had an impact on me and my YouTube growth over the past year, gaining over 100,000 subscribers in a year. And we're here to shortcut that for you today. And we're gonna listen in on Tim and some of his strategies and also how he has uh, a family of seven children yet is still able to manage a business and help a load of people make a bigger impact in the world. So here we go, Tim Schmoyer from Video Creators. Tim, welcome to the SPI Podcast. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. How are you doing? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, I'm stoked for you uh, to be here because I wanted to make sure everybody knows who you are because you've done so much for me and helping me on a YouTube channel. I know I don't tell you this enough and I've told you a few times, but you and a few others have been instrumental in just helping me understand this world of YouTube and video. And so I just wanted to publicly thank you for that before we get started here. 
Oh, no, you're welcome. Yeah, I love I love serving people who have a, a message that they want to spread that reaches people and changes their lives. And I know that your message certainly does that. So that's an honor. Thank you. Yeah, and I recognize that. That's your tagline that you say at the beginning of all your videos. And I'd love, yeah, I've, yeah, I'd I've lo- said that a few times. <laughs> yeah, you, a few times, yes. And uh, currently uh, you have uh, your main channel, youtube.com slash video creators. How many videos would you say have you recorded and posted on YouTube thus far in your career? Oh, so far, um, it's probably getting close to 4,000, I think. That's ridiculous. And and so tell me about the start. When, like, I want to know your first video and what encouraged you to post it up there. Yeah, I, I was actually in graduate school. I just moved across the country and um, I started dating this girl and like a love for have a way to introduce her to my family across the country. And this little site called YouTube had just started and I was like, oh, this might be like a good idea. Maybe we could just make some videos. I can introduce her to my family back home. And and so we did. We started just making little videos. This was back in 2006 um, of our, we just took go out on dates, go out to the park, go out to the movies, go out to dinner, whatever. And this little eight millimeter camera that ate my tape half the time. <laughs> so whether or not we'd even actually get a video from it was debatable, but we'd uh, post those on YouTube and, and I just emailed the links to my parents and family and friends. Cause it was easier than sending them like a quick time video file that was hard to transfer, you know? Right. So we started posting those and after a little bit of time, like other people just started watching and I was just like, where are these people coming from? Like it was like MySpace days where you didn't use your real name on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if anyone knew who you were on the internet, they would hunt you down and kill you for some reason. <laughs> so I was hearing all these horror stories about people um, meeting from other people online and you know, it was, it was terrible. So I was kind of concerned when I saw – other people were watching, other people were commenting, people kept coming back and watching more. And I was like, who is Catlicker69? And should I be concerned that like this person keeps coming back and watching my videos and, and commenting? And so I, that kind of started me down a rabbit trail trying to figure out um, how are people finding my videos? Why are they watching them? Why do they keep coming back? What are they looking for? And how do we, you know, how do we help other people who like at that time, some people actually wanted that. And so I reached out to some friends of mine. This is like 2007 and eight at this time. And they're like, you know, Tim, we don't know. But if you figure it out, let us know, because people are asking us how this thing's working all the time. And at that time, those were people who had kind of substantial audiences with like a few hundred people, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, it wasn't long where where I was like, okay, well, I think I can actually maybe help answer some of these questions for people. So I started posting some videos, just helping people with that. And then um, make a long story short, it wasn't too much much longer after that, that um, a lot of agencies were like, hey, our our brands are, are asking us to help them with YouTube strategy. And so before I knew it, I was doing some, I was doing, um, strategy, YouTube strategy for, for Disney, Warner brothers. I did the Batman release for Warner brothers. It was HBO, Century 21, eBay, Budweiser, like all these brands. Wow. And, and they were all having like tremendous success with it. And I was like, okay, like I'm onto something here. And it was 2013. I decided I started video creators, which is my current business. And in the past several years, it's grown into a full team of 10 of us. And um, so far, our clients have earned uh, organically with us uh, over 14 billion views and 61 million subscribers. And we've seen channels go from zero to 16 million views a month in only six months. Other people like hundreds of thousands of subs in less than a year. And it's just been really exciting to see how much life change is happening as a result of of what we've been able to do with people on YouTube. So it's been a lot of fun. That's so cool. And, that, and, and that's amazing. And do you still currently work with larger brands like that? Or, or are you more focused on the sort of individual creators at this point? I have those opportunities, but I've I've turned them down just for the past few years just because they're so slow. <laughs> and that really, like, I, I don't really... Uh, like that. It's just really frustrating when you have one meeting and you got to wait another three months for, you know, them to have another meeting. And then, uh, and then when you do actually the work, it's like another six months before they have a team in place to implement it. And it was just, it got a little frustrating for me personally. Yeah. So, well, yeah, 
It was a lot of fun, though, at the time. Well, your YouTube channel now is one of the most helpful out there to help us with YouTube. And with some of these numbers that you're sharing about people who go from zero to 16 million views and zero to hundreds of thousands of subscribers in months, is that kind of growth still possible today? And uh, oh, yeah. because Because, you know, you got in early, and, and the people you helped, you helped them early. But is that still possible today to do? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, like one of our clients just um, been working with us for about six months and just passed a million subscribers last week. Uh, we've had uh, someone late last fall that we were working with went from, I think they started with about 400 subscribers and they passed 100,000 subscribers around nine months later. So, yeah, growth is still absolutely possible. If, if anything, it actually might be easier in some way. I know there's a lot more competition, but there's also a lot more eyeballs on there, and people are watching videos for longer. They're consuming more on YouTube than even television and, and network television. Uh, so it's like there's a lot more opportunity there as well. But the hard part is just kind of cutting through the noise. But mm -hmm. once you cut through the noise with good value and clear branding and all that, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's totally possible. So if somebody's listening to this right now and they're getting amped up uh, about getting on YouTube and actually getting started, what would be the primary things that they need to consider before even diving into this space in order to maximize their acceleration to, you know, loads of people who are watching, which could obviously help them share their message and, and make an impact, which is to me always the most important thing. And I love that you share that at the beginning of all of your uh, video creator videos because that that's really why we should be doing what we doing uh, what we're doing because you know for me I teach serving first and helping others and as a byproduct you can make money and uh, I would imagine totally. that it's largely the same with you you create great things and as a byproduct you will grow you will get subscribers but tact uh, tactically what should a new person getting onto YouTube think about to maximize their success Yeah yeah so back when I uh, I was still, I was working a full-time job as a youth and family worker and I loved it because I was like reaching people, changing their lives. You know, I love working with teenagers and their family, working about maybe like 180 students a week or something at that time. And I loved it because I love seeing the relationships between parents and teenagers restored and, and, uh, those those things were just kind of growing and building. It was really exciting for me. So I just loved it. And at that time, my wife and I – oh, I married that girlfriend, my girlfriend, by the way. Uh. <laughs> and so um, so we got married, and we just kind of kept going with our videos we, through our engagement and wedding and honeymoon and first real job and first house and, like, all that kind of stuff. And and at that time, um, uh, I was at a, I had a, a decision to make because we were at, like uh, – we are getting, like, a million people a month were watching our family – and I was working with like 180 students a week in my real job. But on YouTube, it was like the same stories of life change were coming out of what we were doing. People were saying like, um, like, hey, you don't know me, but I've been watching your videos and uh, I just got married two months ago. And my husband and I are already struggling in our relationship. I don't know if we're going to make it. And um, But I watched your video where you and your wife were talking about how you're learning to love each other better. And I shared that video with my husband. We sat down. We talked about it. And I just want to let you know that we have hope again for our marriage. Just thank you so much for, me, for, for making that video. Wow. Somebody you like, didn't know what? said that. No, yeah, there's and then people coming up to us like that we didn't know just right, like, hey, I recognize you from YouTube. And one girl was like, um, I've noticed that since I started watching you guys, I've really changed my standard for the types of guys that I date and will one day marry. And just like, thank you for changing that in my life. I'm like, we did that? Like, how did we do that? There's people who didn't commit suicide because of videos we've done. There's, um, you know, like one lady also was like, I didn't grow up with a mom. She left my family when I was a young girl. Um, but I'm getting married next month, and I feel like because I've been watching your videos, I know or at least have an idea of what it takes to be a good wife and a good mom one day. Just thank you for all you've done. I'm wow. Like, my gosh, you know? So it's like those types of stories. I'm like, you can literally reach people and impact their lives on YouTube at scale, you know? Like, and so that one's I had to make this choice. Like, am I going to keep going down this this um, youth and family work path or the or the YouTube path? And I'm like, well, if I'm ultimately about reaching people and changing their lives, like I have to take the YouTube path. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, what if I could not just reach my million people a month, but what if I could help other people reach their million and their 10 million and their, you know, whatever, now 14 billion <laughs> people and reaching and impacting their lives and could we like could I help other people make the world a better place rather than just sit being about like yeah I might have one or two good ideas that might be helpful yeah but Pat Flynn and all these other guys like they have 
all these other ideas that could help people too. So that's what really got me excited about the, the tagline. Um, in terms of in terms of growth, I think that it's actually a lot of the principles are pretty pretty similar to what grows a, a business. Uh, the the place a lot of people start when they come to YouTube, which is not where I start actually, is they they jump pretty quickly to doing keyword keyword research, um, to like analyzing tags and metadata. And I understand where that approach is coming from. A lot of it's left over from old school. Google SEO days and things like that. But, um, but YouTube doesn't really work like that as much anymore. I mean, those YouTube still asks for that information, so it's still important to give it to them, but their search and discovery systems are all designed around looking at what people are responding well to and then surfacing that content to more people. And so ultimately like being discovered on YouTube is more about the viewer signals that your videos help people give to YouTube and less about did you properly get all the right words in the right places and click the right buttons and check the right boxes. Mm-hmm. And so I, we start in the very basics of like one, uh, what's who, who's your target audience? Like who are we going after here? Who's your most ideal subscriber? Um, who's the most ideal viewer for your channel, for your content, for your videos. And then number two, what's the value proposition of your channel slash brand to, to those people? Why do, why do they care? Why would they watch? And so knowing exactly who you're going after and why they should care. And, and then third, being able to clearly communicate that to that first time viewer. So as soon as they find one of your videos for the very first time, the bounce rate is really low. They're like, Oh my gosh, like where have you been all my life? Like this is exactly what I need. Subscribe, watching every video, commenting, engaging. And if the brand messaging is just just unclear or in, at least on in confusing in any way, like it's really hard to get people to interact and engage and to start getting momentum in the first place. So we usually start at those pretty foundational places when we start working with people and then kind of go from there. All right, let me play a role really quick. But Tim, Target Market, I want everybody to watch my videos, and, and I think my stuff is good enough to help everybody in the, who's doing this kind of thing too. How would you respond to somebody who you know, wants to target everybody on YouTube because everybody yeah. is on YouTube? Yeah, um, I mean, you can try it, but like, <laughs> <laughs> let me know how it goes. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't say this, it doesn't sound cocky or anything, but it's, just, it's, it's really hard to get momentum with a broad audience on YouTube right now. Now you can, you can make it broader as you gain momentum, but it's hard today to start with, I want everyone to watch my videos. Like, well, okay, maybe we'll get there. But in the meantime, like we have the game momentum with someone and the way you gain momentum with someone is making them feel like, like this channel's for me. Like this is exactly what I need. I need to watch everything that you do. I need to subscribe. I need to follow. Right. And it's really hard to make someone feel that way if you're just kind of making broad general content for a broad general audience. Like you mm-hmm. need to get some momentum going first. The other thing is difficult about that from a discoverability standpoint is that um, yes, YouTube is the second largest search engine on the on the on the planet, and uh, it definitely has that component built in. There's a lot of value there, but from an average view duration perspective. Arguably, one of the more valuable traffic sources would be like the suggested videos or definitely getting to the homepage. And one of the ways that you get YouTube to start suggesting your content to people and putting your videos right on the homepage so people don't even have to go search for it is by helping YouTube feel confident like we know who this video is for. If we surface this video to this type of person, and this person like engages with it and then they love the channel and it's really powerful when you can just leverage YouTube to put your videos in front of the right people for you, right? Like they're not even looking for it, but they, then they see the title and the thumbnail and they're like, oh yeah, what is this? And they, they're intrigued. They, they click due to no other merit than what the title and the thumbnail pitched and they get into the content, they get introduced to you and the brand and it's, and the brands clearly communicates who they're for, what they're all about, and then gets that person into to be a subscriber and watch additional content after that. When Google starts picking up on those signals and they start feeling confident, like 
this type of person will engage with this type of video, they'll just start putting your videos in front of the right people. But if the content is like really broad and like Google's going to be like, I don't really know who this is for, <laughs> you know, no one's really engaging with it specifically. And so it'll, the, the video will just kind of get buried pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, that's, so. that, that's where I struggle, Tim. You know, I have a large number of videos on my channel, like 400 videos, but they, they span across all different things. I have some really popular, uh, popular videos about podcasting specifically and I rank really high for a lot of podcasting related terms but then I can imagine somebody going there and finding my podcast content and then kind of going into the rest of my channel and seeing stuff about um, you know blogging and you know my family stuff and some of the vlogging things that I do uh, the switch pod related things and and all that kind of stuff and they're just like oh well I got my answer. I'm done. Like I'm, I, I can move on now. Versus, you know, this is where I get sort of sometimes jealous of like those uh, channels similar to the ones that you've started with with your wife, where it's just like it's your family and people are there because they love you for who you are, and that's the kind of feeling I get from people who listen to my podcast. But I, I don't yet have that kind of subscribership and 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 fan base. I, I would say um, generally on on YouTube, where a person knows every video is going to be, you know. Uh, some hard-hitting thing that they're used to or or just something that they can expect. I feel like every video that I produce is sort of just random right now and I and 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 so the the reason I'm sharing this and asking you questions is not just for me but because I don't want other people to have to go through 9 years of YouTube to the to discover like their path like me. <laughs> right, um, yeah. At the start when it comes to creating these videos, uh not going for search terms but going for target market and truly creating videos about things that they would be interested in watching and sharing and, and, and hopefully trigger that those algorithms. Do you have any strategies for how to determine what those videos are? So you have this target market. How do you know what videos are going to resonate versus which yeah, ones don't? That's really common. That's, you know, you are certainly not unique uh, in, in that, with that situation, that problem. Uh, so the way I would start by looking at it is first of all, on like an educational versus entertainment level. So YouTube, I mean, let's say we can roughly break almost all channels and content in general, probably into entertainment and educational. So entertainment type of channels like the family vlogs and the gaming and the, you know, personality based channels and stuff, they not always, but I'm talking very generally here, will have higher uh, return viewership from their subscriber base mm -hmm. uh, because people are coming back for a different value as opposed to someone who subscribes for an educational one like yours and my channel even people subscribe because they want to know something and learn something and they're like oh that yeah, well, pat did a great job talking about how to start a podcast this is great subscribe but then the next video is you know like maybe it's still about podcasting even maybe it seems about the same topic but it's like how to convert your wave into mp3 or whatever and they're like oh i already know how to do that and so they don't feel like they need to watch, right? right? And Big so, example. so it's so it's common, it's normal, very again broadly, generally speaking, for ed educational channels and entertainment channels to perform differently in terms of stats and metrics and things like that. However, there is something that's in common, I think, between between both of them. Um, so, like the value proposition for an entertainment channel like that is typically revolves around a relational value or a community value. Whereas the educational channel will revolve more around like I want to learn something. You're going to help me progress, help me reach a goal that I have, something like that. And so when it comes to like how do we position maybe an educational channel like yours and mine to maybe perform a little bit more like an entertainment channel, it's like – how do we take some of the things that are working on the entertainment side and bring them over to the educational side, such as uh, like the community and the relational aspect? Now, one of the things that uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff, and this would probably be a whole other conversation, but I'll try to make it quick, <laughs> which is like um, is like how do you set up your brand for people to create an emotional connection with you? Yeah, in the first place. Um, have you heard of a, of a book called Primal Branding by a guy named Patrick Hanlon by any I, chance? I've heard of that book. I have not picked it up yet. Yeah, I'd highly recommend it. Um, it's something that we work through with all of with all of our clients. And what he does in that book, he just looks at um, all the top brands that have developed cult-like followings, and he's just like, what made it possible and easy for this brand to develop this type of content, this this following? What what made it easy for people to fall in love with them? And he breaks it down to seven aspects of the Primal Code and the channels that are just killing it on YouTube. They've got like at least five, usually six. Um, if they have all seven. 
just humming on all cil- cylinders, like their channels are blowing up. They're growing like crazy. And some of those things that I think are particularly uh, applicable to an educational channel would be things like um, knowing your story, right? Like we kind of talked about mine here. Uh, I think everyone who listens to you knows part of your story. It's a very iconic story. It represents a lot about you and the brand and gives people a framework, gives them a context for understanding who you are, what you're all about. And that starts to build an emotional connection. Um, the biggest thing though is, and this is where um, a, a lot of brands I think go wrong, especially with social media, is is actually making the brand not revolve around what you do, but making it revolve more around a belief or in primal branding is called a creed. It's like your why. Why do you do this? Right. So if you just say like, hey, subscribe to my channel because I'm going to teach you how to grow a podcast, then that will – some people will be like, okay, I, do I want that value or not? But if it's like I'm going to teach you how to do a podcast so that you can reach people and change their lives – now you're getting more specific. You're potentially eliminating a lot more competition um, of other channels who might be teaching people how to podcast. And and you're also like helping people form a much deeper emotional connection with you because the strongest communities online and offline, this isn't like a social media thing, like the strongest communities, they don't actually revolve around common interests. They always revolve around shared beliefs. And so if someone's like, I know what he's doing and I know why he does it and I share that belief, it's like, <laughs> like they are much more likely mm-hmm. to become an engaged part of your community. And so I think that if your brand revolves around a belief and you pitch to people like, hey, subscribe because and, and then you have like a belief instead of a what, then you really have maximum flexibility on one channel to do almost any style, like instead of pitching like, hey, subscribe to my channel because I do daily vlogs or subscribe because I play video games or because I do whatever. It's like, yeah, you and a lot of other people, right? right? But when that why is there, like for me on my channel, it's um, you know, subscribe because I'm gonna teach you how to master YouTube so you can reach people and change their lives. Most people don't actually believe that with me. Most people are like, master YouTube, make more money or master YouTube, feel more popular or master to whatever, right? And so if my goal was to grow the largest like YouTube educational channel out there, I would go more that direction. But that's not really who I am as much. So it's like master YouTube, reach people and change their lives. So I end up attracting those types of people. I end up working more with those types of clients. Um, but it also gives me maximum flexibility because now I don't have to just sit down and teach YouTube all the time. I can talk about a wide variety of things as long as it comes back to reaching people and changing their lives on YouTube because that's what people signed up for. And so I can do vlogs. Uh, I could even do a gaming video if it still p- delivered that value proposition. Yeah. You know, I could do um, skit comedy and actually have like a, like a full reality show type of series coming up on my channel later this year that we're producing that is a really big project, but it's going to be unlike anything I've ever seen really. And I think it'll still work if people won't be shocked and be like, oh, what is this now? Because it's still directly aligned with the belief that I've always told people like, this is what you should subscribe for. So does all that make sense? I think it's going to ramble. It does make sense. And the truth is I, that that's not, new information for me however i still struggle so much with it i don't i don't i can't nail that proposition on youtube yet and i know i need to do it and i've tried it and i i you know have changed my i've done a few things based on largely what you've said and have taught on your channels and uh, what other people have taught me so a couple strategic things that i've done and maybe it's just because I'm so in the weeds of my own business, it's hard for me to, to determine. But let me, let, like, I, I, I have now started addressing my viewers as Team Flynn. And I've already started to see the community start to step up, even use that hashtag and feel like more they're a part of something. So no matter what video comes out, I always end with Team Flynn, you're amazing. Team Flynn for the win. Or I start videos with, hey, Team Flynn, Pat here, so that people can feel like they're a part of something. And that was very strategic. Again, I don't know if that's the right thing or not, but I like what I'm seeing from that. And the other part of that is I have a tagline now that I didn't have before, which is make more money, save more time, and help more people. And so I can, like you said, have a little bit more freedom in my videos that I can create with that particular tagline. But I think it's it's just the surface. I think I could go a little bit deeper. And, and I know that there are some things that I could touch on, for example – making business fun like that's something that I try to do in every video and I think that a certain kind of person would want to follow me for making sure there is fun in every video something related to perhaps even 
family and lifestyle in that direction to sort of distinct me from a lot of the other people who are maybe more, you know, younger and travel and have Lamborghinis and stuff, which is really, honestly, the primary reason why I'm on YouTube specifically is not just to help more people, but there are some people out there teaching business who I'm just like, no, don't, like, why are you teaching, like, you're getting people's (laughs) hopes up and then you're, you're gonna ask them to pay for things. It's just like, but those videos, even though I try to create videos that are better, they're far outranking. They're getting millions of views, and it just it just is very deflating because I haven't quote cracked the code yet. And I know I'm maybe just again impatient or whatever, but uh, I think a lot a large amount of it is like everything you're talking about here. It's it's the brand. It's what people can expect when they watch the videos. And so hopefully, sharing all this with all of you listening can help you feel maybe a little bit better about the fact that maybe you don't have it all figured out, or maybe you have more figured out than I do at this point. Um, any any comments or thoughts on that, Tim? Yeah, I mean, so all all of that is is really good. I think that there's, um, you know, like so, like the Pat Flynn, Team Flynn thing. That's all us good. That's primal branding. Us basically, that's I just need to hire words. you. I just need to hire. Uh, you. Well, just read the book. <laughs> It'll be cheaper. <laughs> I will. I, I, honestly, I've already, uh, as you were speaking earlier, I ordered it on uh, Audible so I can listen to it. There you go. Cool. Yeah. Hashtag not sponsored. Just, you know, really good resource that I highly recommend. Thank you for that. Yeah. But like the, but the sacred word, that's, that's like identifies the community. Um, so like my wife and I've been debt free for over 10 years. We're big Dave Ramsey fans. And so his brand does a lot of the same stuff, very educational, like teaching people how to manage their finances and money and things like that. But, um, but like the personal brand, like you feel like you have a connection to Dave and you kind of don't even really care what he's going to talk about because you just know it's going to be good mm-hmm. on some level. And so he does, I, I look to him as, as a good example for a lot of this type of stuff too. But, but he has so many sacred words, like, like you mentioned. Built I'm in debt here. free I, or, you know. Oh yeah. That, and that's actually considered a ritual, which is like the repeated interactions people grow to love and expect with your brand. Oh. So, uh, it was another primal thing. And if you look at like dude, perfect, for example, that's like my favorite YouTube channel. Yeah. They do like all of these so seamlessly you wouldn't, you don't even notice, but, um, but anyway, yeah. So you're on the right track. Uh, the thing maybe in terms of what I've heard so far, just two things real quick. Uh, one would be to, uh, really drive home that creed that you said, what was it? It was, uh, make more money, save more time, help more, save more time, help more people. Yeah. Just really drive that, like that home as much as you can. Like as much as you hear me say, reach people, change their lives. Like it becomes almost like, um, the thing that your audience like revolves around. It's like, oh yeah, Pat Flynn, they immediately associate it with that. And Mm -hmm. so, um, making every piece of content really, really drive that that home consistently would be one thing. The second thing um, is one of the things we've been doing a lot more with our clients over the past two years or so. Um, like a YouTube landscape has is, is been changing. And it used to be back in 2006 when I got started, like, could you just figure out how to get video footage off of a, you know, a ribbon on a camera <laughs> and onto your computer? Like, and did you have a fast enough internet connection to upload it? Mm-hmm. That's like, that was like the barrier of entry. And then, it, and then going through all these other phases and now, and then like we're coming out of the phase, I believe where it's like quality, quantity over quality. I think we're, we're thankfully on the back end of that and it's shifting more towards quality. But by terms of quality, I mean, it's actually like, can you tell us like a meaningful story like that impacts someone. And this applies to educational and entertainment channels, by the way. So I did a few experiments, even on my own channel, um, actually at Social Media Marketing World last year, I did seven interviews uh, or nine interviews uh, with people and did two videos with each of them. The first one was like, give me the quick bullet point tips for how to do something on YouTube. Second video I did with them was tell me the story of how you discovered this and how you did this on your channel. And so in your YouTube analytics, you can do things called groups. And I grouped the two different videos and you can um, like the one was story and one was the listicle basically. Mm-hmm. And I put the, the two groups and compared them side by side. And what I learned was um, hands down, the story videos got at least quadruple the views twice the engagement, twice the watch time, then the quick, shorter, punchier, like, let me just give you the hard, dirty facts about, you know, this, this, how to do this thing and we're done. Hmm. And so stories like, unless I actually told the story poorly, then in that case, it actually worked. It performed even worse. But if you tell the story half decently, it performs a lot better. 
And so that's the, that's like one of the keys behind these channels that, that we've been working with have been growing really fast. Uh, I'll give it to you here real quick, but we, we have our clients work through a set, like seven different questions when it comes to their story. And we'd say, before you start shooting this next video, answer these seven questions for your content and then go ahead and shoot it. So the seven questions are, uh, one, who is the character? Two, what do they want? Three, why can't they have what they want? Four, what is at stake or what's it going to cost them if they don't get what they want? Number five, who or what comes along to help them do what they couldn't do before? Number six, how do they ultimately get what they wanted? And then number seven, this is the whole point of the story, is how are they changed as a result? The, the stories that people really love are actually about character transformation. Like this person is different at the end of the story than they were at the beginning of the story. And we can see how the conflict over time actually changes them into this different version of themselves that they are today. That's the difference in making like a story people just like, oh, are interested in and a story people love mm. is how did that char character change. So maybe thinking through those seven and, and like how do I integrate that type of story and wrap my content, even educational content around that that can make a really big difference in terms of watch time, in terms of retention, in terms of people coming back and watching more videos and session time and a whole bunch of things. It just doesn't, I mean, it's not mind blowing to like <laughs> hear that, Oh, stories make a difference, <laughs> but telling a good story and like and having a structure to do it, maybe that helps like actually craft it so that the videos intentionally accomplish what you want them to accomplish. No, I love it. It's, it's what I teach in my podcasting course to try and pull out the stories from the people you're interviewing and to tell your own story. And it's funny because in, in YouTube land, uh, and, and the way that I started on YouTube was just people have a question, I'm going to film a video to answer it. And, and that performed yeah. pretty well, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I want it to be more than just a repository to answer questions. So I love that. It reminds me of the hero's journey, you know, Joseph Campbell's exactly. uh, monomyth. And and uh, it's like, it, like you said, it's not like, oh, mind-blowing information, but we don't do it. And I think, you know, I think we just need to spend a little bit more time and care and you know, I've, I've worked so hard on some of these videos. I know some of the, my listeners have worked so hard on some of their videos and to just get like a hundred views on something is, is pretty deflating. And I think it really, it's, it's everything. It's the start of that journey in, in, in your, in your questions, the character, can that be anybody? Can that be the person who owns the channel and, and maybe it's a, it's featuring somebody else. Can it be just a story about somebody else that they don't even have contact with? Yeah, it's I've I've tried a few different ways. Um, I found it's easiest to do this if you're the character, and so you're telling your story. But we know behind the scenes that we're ultimately not telling our story. We're telling our audience's story, mm -hmm. but we're telling their story because it's also our story. And so we're telling it in a way that when they hear it, they think, "Oh yes, me too. Oh, me too, me too." Like they're identifying with us as the character. That's typically the easiest way to do. It. I've done it. Um, like this creator story series I have coming up, um, the, I've, I've tried making the viewer, the character and making them the hero. And it's just really difficult to do well. And I actually, I actually don't think it worked that well <laughs> when I, and so I, I usually just default to what do I, I'm the character they're watching, like, what do they want? So if it's an educational video, it's like, oh, the character, me, I want to make I want to, I remember when I wanted to make a better podcast and I remember when I make that episode and only get two views. So now we know what you wanted. You wanted not views, uh, sorry, downloads. And so you, now we know what you wanted and you wanted more downloads, but why couldn't you have, what would be at stake if you didn't get more downloads? What's it going to cost you? Yeah. And then who comes along and helped you be a Pat Flynn. So you're not positioning yourself as the as um, like in one way you're the hero, but you're also then become the guide for the person who's watching or listening because they want to be the hero of their own story and you then become the guide. So it kind of become multi-layered um, in one regard, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you get the idea. You just kind of follow that through your content. And so when I open up my YouTube videos, rather than opening up with like a hook that connects uh, a hook that repeats the title and thumbnail they just connected like that they just clicked on that's a sure way to have a really steep drop in audience retention like of abandonment right at the beginning of that video as opposed to um like a video i did last week um if i can remember off the top of my head but it was um how to or something about how to earn a thousand dollars on 
or how many subscribers do you need to earn a thousand dollars? That's what it was. And so I opened it up actually with, with a story and several stories real quick. I just kind of crammed them all in there into about 20 seconds. I told three stories real quick and that video is doing better than my videos normally do. Um, and I think in large part because I took my own advice yeah. <laughs> and opened it up with a few stories, then did a quick welcome and intro and got right into more stories that were that were actual stories about people who have a few thousand subscribers making $2 million a year on YouTube. Or in my case, you know, I told my story briefly, I had 3000 subscribers. It was generating around $10,000 a month, not through ad revenue. It was all through, you know, selling my value proposition in other ways. But, um, but telling those stories, people are like, Oh yeah, me too. I want that. I'm the character. I can't have that. How do I get that? You know? So it was, telling both your audience and your story kind of simultaneously. I love that. Thank you, thank, thank you for that. And uh, before we wrap up here, one final question for you, Tim. Um, let me just prime this by asking you, how many kids do you have? <laughs> uh, my wife and I had seven kids in eight years. So, so that's that's a lot of little ones running around. Did and you I'm hear just, some of them earlier? Sorry. I <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, oh, okay, I, good. I, I'm just very curious because even with just two kids on my end, it can be very difficult to find the time to do what I need and want to do for my business. And so I'm curious to know how you stay on top of your work and stay present as a father and a husband. Ooh, it's like a whole new episode right there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, none of it's easy. I would maybe kind of summarize it is like, I found that, uh, well, let me first say that we didn't set off to have set out to have seven kids. It just, kind of happened. You guys know how that works. So we just ended up with with seven and we're very thankful for it. Um, and we tried different ways of like, you know, controlling that and none of them worked. We still got pregnant anyway. So, um, so we're, we're thankful for it. But what I've learned is actually like, I know a lot of people are like one, two kids, three kids, four kids, a big family. How do you do it with seven? And it's the same thing. I think the same principle about how do you grow a larger business, which is when you're a small business, it's, um, like it's easy for you to kind of have all the systems and processes and everything in your head and you just do it. But as you grow, you really need to get those SOPs, those standard operating procedures written down mm-hmm. step by step, have like a, like a employee handbook and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so I found like the way a, like a, a, a business grows larger is like you actually just need better systems because as your business grows, your systems break down. And the same thing's been true with a family. It's like when you get to two kids, you can kind of like keep the same systems you're used to having. When you get to three, you kind of got to switch from one-on-one to zone defense and a lot of those systems break down. Yeah, yeah. You get four, you get, and especially when you get to seven, like anything over four, actually, I think you have four plus kids, like the system, you've, like you're forced to work through some of those systems. And I think like, yeah, so if you were going to take your systems that you use with two kids and apply it to seven, it would totally drive, it would break. And that's why people are like, I can't have more kids because like I can't handle the two I have. It's like, well, you just need to work through some stuff. But if you had more, you would be forced to figure it out and you would. Right, right. <laughs> so um, in terms of like time management, uh, I mean, part of it is we've... It, uh, when I first started this, we only had we had much fewer fewer kids, and um, I gave it more time back then. Um, I I I, um, I don't work full time. I haven't worked full time for a few years now. Just to be totally honest, I don't know if I should say that out loud or not. But um, I I track my time, and I work typically around twenty five to thirty hours a week. And uh, and part of that is due now because of all the systems we put in place. And now I have a team of 10 people who work for me and who can implement those systems by serving our clients and um, working with them. And so I spend each of my mornings homeschooling um, our kids. And then I start work around 11. And depending on the day, some days I'll quit around dinner time, around 5. Other days I'll quit at 5 and then come back in the evening if my wife goes out grocery shopping or something like that. Um, but uh, I have... I've always kind of believed that I'm not building a business for the sake of building a big business. I know it's kind of easy to get trapped and hung up and like the goal of my business is grow to be as big as possible and as successful as possible. But uh, I read a really good book um, called um, Built to Sell. Have you read that one? Yeah. Any chance? yeah. And so there, he told a story in there where he's like, 
just take the amount of money. And I, I, I'm changing the story, but I got the inspiration from the book, which is like, take the, write down the amount of money you'd be willing to sell your business for, put it in a seal an envelope, put it someplace. And then when you get an offer to sell, um, take it out. And if like, if you're at that amount, just sell, like, don't feel like you gotta like, and I kind of took that for me. And it was, it was like, if what's the amount of money that our family would need to, 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 earn in order for our family to be sustainable and for us not to feel stressed and for us to achieve the goals that we have. And we're at that number. We're actually past that number. And I don't feel like, uh, like I have a mission to like grow the business to become this bigger multi-million dollar enterprise. I keep working on it. I don't want it to decline. I want to, you know, manage well what I have and, and continue to grow it, but not at the expense of my family. So I've, uh, for me, it's like the family comes first mm -hmm. and like my wife was pregnant with some kids. Like I backed off like 10 to 15 hours a week and revenue went down. It did, you know, but, uh, that was okay. Uh, my, my, my family comes first. So I just try to Absolutely. like, rather than thinking about balance, I think of more terms of priorities. And at some point at different seasons of life, that red line kind of moves and up and down and there's some times with like anything below the red line just doesn't happen and that's just the way it is you know yeah so well thank you for sharing that, that tip no that that's that's really helpful to know and i think a very uh important message that people need to hear sometimes as we get sort of lost in the just the growth and scale of our business and all that all the fun that that includes you know you can always build new businesses you can always make more money later but uh family stuff and especially with kids i mean they're only young once and so uh, I'm I'm 100% with you there, Tim. Yeah, uh, dude, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with us and the inspiration, and and especially a lot of the stuff that you shared in particular about uh, my channel. And I'll definitely be reaching back out to you to get uh, you know some additional consultation as well as we continue to grow the channel and, and redefine and sort of hone in on on what the messaging is exactly. Uh, where should people go to find out more info and, and get all the good things that you have to offer? Yeah, we got uh, multiple videos every week at youtube.com slash video creators. You can learn more about growing your YouTube audience as well as a weekly podcast of my own. You can just search iTunes for video creators, Tim Schmoyer, and it should pop up right there. Cool. Yeah, go listen to it now. Uh, and Tim, thanks so much for your time today and uh, all the best. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Tim Schmoyer. Again, you can find him on YouTube at video creators. And uh, download his podcast. You can get some great YouTube and video creation content on the go for you as well. So that's uh, also video creators on Apple or wherever you're listening to podcasts. And again, Tim, thank you so much for the inspiration. And just I'm so inspired to continue to grow my YouTube channel and fine tune exactly why I'm there and what I could do to help more people. And like you said, make a bigger impact, which is why everybody who's listening to the show is listening. And so I appreciate you coming on and, and helping to share uh, that mission with me. And for everybody who wants to get the show notes and everything else Tim has mentioned and is going on, all you have to do is go to the show notes page at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 368. Once again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 368. Hey, really quick, I have a quick story to tell you, and some of you may have heard this story before, but it relates to a $15,000 mistake that I once made back in 2010. You see, what happened was a couple of my friends who were developers created WordPress plugins, premium WordPress plugins that they then sold. And when they sold them and they launched them sort of around the same time, they weren't related to each other. They each made over six figures in their launch. And so what I saw was dollar signs coming out of my eyes, which was the first mistake in this whole process. If you're just chasing the money, that's always going to be sort of a doomed situation. You want to help people. But I got so attracted to the possibility that I could also sell a premium WordPress plugin that I immediately found a developer online. I paid this person, and what was supposed to take six weeks and about five to $6,000 that I had in my budget, it took six months and $15,000, over $15,000. And by the end of this whole process, I then shared this plugin with a few people who said, mm, this isn't done in the way I would do it, and you know, there's probably things I could do it a lot better. Now, what I... <laughs> First of all, this is really the the origin story of my book, Will It Fly, which is the whole idea that you know you want to talk to people first about your ideas. You don't want to jump into things. You want to know why you're doing this, and you want to help solve people's problems, not just chase dollars. And hopefully if you've been following me for a while, you know that 
you shouldn't be doing that either. Now, the other part of the story that I haven't really told anybody was what exactly this plugin idea was. And I'm just gonna tell you, it was a forms plugin. It was a plugin to create forms on your website because that was a, such an underutilized and sort of ancient thing for people way back in 2010. And you know, I'm, I'm quite glad that that didn't work out. First of all, it was a $15,000 lesson. But there have been so many options available now for easily creating forms on your website. None better than WP Forms. WP Forms uh, is run by a guy named Saeed who also runs WP Beginner, which is an amazing WordPress-related site. And this plugin, WP Forms, has been used by over two million people. And when you check it out and you see it, actually, you can check it out at wpforms.com SPI. They are a sponsor for this episode, but I thought it would be perfect to tell the story because I've never told anybody what my plugin idea was. And again, so glad I didn't do it because WP Forms does it right. It's a drag and drop WordPress form builder. It's a plugin that you can download. You can actually download the light version for free right now. And special for just SPI users, you can get it at 50% off if you do want to upgrade to premium. But again, you can check it out right now at wpforms.com slash SPI. And what it allows you to do is drag and drop build forms on your website. So you can collect information from your audience. You can connect it to your email service provider. You can collect payments even with this thing. It's 100% mobile responsive, it has over 150 templates, and you can manage your leads from there as well, and it has the best spam blockers. There's so much technology that makes it happen behind the scenes and make it so easy for you to use, and Saeed is a good friend of mine. He and I have been buds for years, and he is one of the smartest guys I know. He's even involved in like cricket, which is a a sport for those of you who don't know, not like cricket, the bugs. Uh, Although I wouldn't be surprised because he does so many amazing things. And WP Forms, I I highly recommend you check it out. So if you want to check it out right now and get the 50% off the WP Forms Pro, or you could even try the light version for free right now, download it, install it. It is super uh, it is super customizable, but also they have great service and people who can help you, but you won't need the help because it's so easy to use. You don't even need to know how to code or anything like that. And when you want to place these forms that you build in your sidebar or widgets or in your blog post, it's so easy to use. You'll get it in literally just a minute. So go ahead and check it out, wpforms.com slash SPI, and you're not going to be disappointed. And please, if you've got any value out of the show, uh, do me a favor and just hit subscribe. That way you can get more value coming your way because you know that this stuff is helpful for you. And most of all, just make sure you take action. That, that's all I ask of you. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Team Flynn, you are amazing. And if you're brand new to the show, thank you for subscribing. And welcome to Team Flynn. We're all here to support each other. So I'm, I'm just thankful you're here. Cheers, take care, and Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.